Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson nationwide from my flagship studio station, WSB in Atlanta, Georgia, all across the nation. Glad to have you with me. The phone number is 877-973-7425. I got a guest. I'm going to be polite and not ask him about University of Tennessee football. It's congressman from Tennessee, Chuck Fleischman joining me. How are you? Eric, I am great, and yes, sir, always of all. We are still in mourning over our baseball team, which uh, unfortunately, uh, despite a great season, didn't make it to Omaha. But uh, football season's around the corner, and uh, we are always optimistic in the land of Big Orange. <laughs> so I've I, I got a I, my friend Philip, who works for me, was born in Chattanooga, uh, lives in Middle Georgia now, and still roots for Tennessee every year i offered to take him this year to the lsu tennessee game at lsu and he declined my offer so <laughs> wow well i hope we win in baton rouge this year i'm predicting we'll be a little bit better but certainly uh kudos and congratulations to the great university of georgia and uh of course it looks like you're probably going to have another great georgia alum Herschel Walker joining the United States Senate representing your great state. It sure appears that way, thankfully, uh, better than the guy we've got. Uh, speaking yes. of um, that, uh, le let me talk to you about uh, this this Homeland Security issue we've got. The, uh, Raphael Warnock, the Georgia senator, was a big defender of this disinformation group that they were setting up that they've now apparently transferred over to the vice president's office. I know you're on the Appropriations Committee. You're on the Homeland Security, you're the ranking member for the, the budget there. I mean, what 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 is going on with Homeland Security? And uh, it's not just that. It now appears they want to discipline the, the Border Patrol agents on horses who were cleared of doing what they were accused of, but they still want to discipline them. I'm just, I'm really confused by that. The wonderful men and women who do our border control uh, work are incredible, but they are demoralized. Uh, as is everybody by this administration, because they try to get up every day and keep our border secure uh, with an administration that just does not want to do it. Whether it's with people, whether it's with technology, whether it's with resources, uh, Joe Biden, Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer have promoted illegal migration to this country and open and porous borders. But to answer your question more specifically, you're absolutely right, Eric. I am the ranking member, the highest Republican on the Homeland Security Appropriations Subcommittee. And I will absolutely make sure that no dollars are used for this bogus disinformation um, promotion. And I will be having a motion this Friday in full committee markup uh, for everybody in America to see to make sure that no funds are used for this bogus disinformation campaign. And we're going to put those rascal Democrats on the record. Uh, they either have to pony up and vote my way or vote for this horrible thing, which will cost them in November. Well, and it should. Um, it, it seems like, um, well, let, let me, let, you may have been in the meeting. I don't know, but a, a friend of mine, uh, one of your colleagues said that in a, a meeting with the Secretary of Homeland Security, one of the things the Secretary of Homeland Security pointed out is that uh, y'all may not care for his performance, but 
he's probably better than anyone else that that Joe Biden might pick. And it, it actually talking to some friends of mine in the press who lean quietly to the right, they say he's actually as far as a, a Democratic Homeland Security Secretary goes, he may actually be the most reasonable guy, and he's still not very good at the job. They don't seem too committed to actual Homeland Security in this administration. I know Mayork as well, uh, because our job is to fund from the House side um, all of the missions on Homeland Security. Uh, and I feel for him because he is controlled by the radical leftist minions who are above him. Um uh, Sadly, Joe Biden is, but Joe Biden doesn't realize it. Uh, but be that as it may, um, I, I feel for anybody in this administration who even wants to move towards the center because they are eviscerated, whether in Homeland Security or otherwise, by the radical left who are trying to continue to destroy this country. And that's why I've been so vocal, Eric. We have got to, whether it's on Homeland Security, where they have open borders, uh, letting in opioids, letting in illegals, letting in uh, potential uh, terrorists on the terror watch list. It's outrageous. And every time we come up with a solution that will work, they come up, meaning the uh, administration, with, with something to thwart it. But pick your poison, the border, the economy, international relations. Uh, uh, we continue to fail under this administration and God willing, Republicans get the House and Senate back and then just block this administration for two years until we can get a Republican president. Well, you know, I, I, you, you say this. I've gotten a lot of questions from listeners who essentially say if the Republicans take back Congress, let's say they take back both houses, is there really anything that they can do other than block and investigate? And I, I with the veto and, and not getting two thirds, I don't know that there is, but it does seem like just slowing them down would be worthwhile. That's correct. The, the first order of business is to play defense, um, and we've been hanging by a thread, um, largely thanks to Cinema and uh, Senator Senator and Senator Manchin holding on to the filibuster rule, because otherwise uh, we would have had the ultimate disaster from federal control of elections with an election czar, uh, from uh, – more trillion dollars in wasteful spending, uh, you name it, pick your left-wing poison, they would all be championing this. So, yes, we're going to have to block, tackle, and then make sure, make sure that, uh, uh, that in two years we elect a Republican president and then come to the American people with a great free enterprise, pro-free market, uh, pro-defense, pro-American uh, agenda, uh, similar to what Donald Trump uh, proposed and, and, and really championed, and just get this country on track. Biden and his minions are doing damage, not for a year or two, but for decades to this country with their policies. It's shocking. Now, if you're just tuning in, I'm talking to Congressman Chuck Fleischman. He represents the Chattanooga area in Tennessee. Congressman, I know you have an issue you care about. doesn't get a lot of attention as much as I think it should. Uh, being nuclear power, you've got the Sequoia nuclear plant in your district. And here in Georgia, where I am, we've got the only actively being built nuclear project in the nation, while China is building yeah. hundreds of them. 
And yep. we seem to be, I was talking to one of the, the guys in charge of this project in Georgia, and he said that Americans may not understand it's been so long since we built one of these. We don't have the engineering brain power anymore. We don't have the mechanical engineering power anymore. All of our intellectual um, firepower to build, maintain, and advance nuclear power plants is going to China. It seems like this is, at this point, not just a power issue, but a, a national security issue for us. Well, another great point, uh, Eric, is part of my representation in the 3rd District, which goes Georgia border to Kentucky border in Tennessee, I represent the Great Oak Ridge Reservation, meaning Oak Ridge National Lab, the Y-12 and UPF missions, and the nuclear cleanup mission at Y-12. That's $7.2 billion worth of federal investment. I can tell you this. America has the best, newest designs, whether it's with modular nuclear reactors, smaller ones, micro reactors, advanced reactors in the world. We are by far the best, and we have some new designs that are smaller, cheaper, cleaner, safer than the bigger plants. The bigger plants have done a great job. Vogel is going to be an outstanding project, but the bigger plants are not the future. The smaller models right. that America can actually own this industry would be great, but you're right. China, Russia, even South Korea have gotten into this market. Uh, and largely, sadly, the Chinese have done it with our technology, which they've perfected and are marketing it to the world. So we've got to get into that market or we'll be boxed out. Yeah, it, it just it, it seems like a, the reluctance of so much of the environmental movement to embrace nuclear energy, whether it's it's waste products or not, that have, we've solved a lot of those technical problems, and yet there's still such a hesitation on the political left to embrace nuclear power when it seems like if we want reliable energy that can handle baseload power, that makes the most sense. Well, you're absolutely right. Uh, we will never get Nancy Pelosi there on nuclear, but she's going to be gone uh, after November. She will not be speaker anymore. Thank God. But I will say this. Yeah, many progressives have joined uh, with conservatives in my advanced nuclear caucus to promote clean, reliable American nuclear power with our new generation of reactors. We are investing in this. And it's the only way that we get the clean energy goals that they want. Um, and even Secretary Granholm, Biden's Secretary of Energy, has agreed with us on this. Uh, their administration on that point is actually working with us to look at these reactors. But the real key to this, uh, and I speak with national leaders in Egypt, in Poland, in Czechoslovakia, uh, the Romanians, they want to buy from America We've got to come up with something because they don't want China and Russia uh, with Russia's invasion of, of Ukraine. Um, they become a less desirable partner to be a nuclear partner. This market is wide open for the United States of America. We just have got to get in there and make sure that we have a business model that that fits it. Now, Congressman, one more wild card for you here. And folks, I, we don't sure. give people inter I'm interviewing the, the avenues I want to talk about. I just kind of throw it at them because I'm going to so I'm going to throw one at you here. I know you're gotcha. a member of the U.S.-Japan caucus, and I talk to a lot of my friends who some of whom are in politics in Japan that they're kind of worried under this administration about 
global leadership and what sorts of things does Japan now have to do on its own if it can't rely on American help as China gets more aggressive in Asia. Uh, you hear the sum from the Australians as well and obviously from the Taiwanese uh, that Japan to some degree reconsidering it, nuclear disarmament, reconsidering its military, and also reconsidering how much deference it should give to American leadership in Asia, given China and, and what seems like from this administration, a real cluelessness on how to handle China? Well, there's a universal cluelessness uh, from this administration as to handle foreign policy, whether it was Afghanistan, uh, Russia, uh, China, pick, pick, pick the nation, pick the issue. Uh, they leave our, our allies and our foes scratching their heads, you know, where is Joe Biden and all these issues? We don't know. They don't know. Uh, having said that, you're absolutely right. I just spent a couple of months ago some very important time in the South Pacific with our great United States Navy and great United States Coast Guard. The region of the world that you alluded to uh, with Japan and South Korea and Taiwan is of great concern. China is watching how we handle Rus Russia or mishandle Russia to see whether or not uh, they will make a move on Taiwan. Japan, understandably, is very concerned because of the power and influence in that part of the world. Um, and with China uh, growing economically and throughout the South Pacific with their incentive plan, which is uh, rather advantageous to them and disadvantageous to the free world, uh, Japan has good concern, uh, especially with North Korea, uh, being able to deliver um, with, the, with these missiles. So Japan is going to look to us um, and will can continue, hopefully, to be a strong ally. Our great United States senator from Tennessee, Bill Haggerty, is, is fluent in Japan, um, and I've spoken with him about that. He was also the U.S. ambassador to Japan uh, a great resource on that. Uh, but the rest of the world is looking to the United States for leadership, and there is a dearth of leadership with the Biden administration. Uh, it's rudderless, it's confused, and you never know from day to day where they're going to land. That's the truth. Congressman, I got to leave it there. It's great to have you on the program. Really appreciate your team reaching out, and all the best to you and your family. Likewise, and I look forward to joining you again anytime soon, any topic. My pleasure, sir. Thank you. Congressman Chuck Fleischman uh, from Chattanooga, his team reached out. Uh, one of our affiliates, uh, they listen to it. They hear their constituents talk about me on the radio. They want to get on. Happy to have him. Uh, he's the ranking Republican on the Appropriations Committee for the uh, Subcommittee on Homeland Security. Knows his stuff, but uh, I figure seeing that he is uh, so involved in nuclear energy and also on uh, the Japan caucus in Congress, we're talking to him about that stuff because those are real issues that don't get enough attention. Uh, and he's a guy who would know. So thanks to him for coming on. The phone number, 877-973-7425. We'll be back with your calls. I'm a longtime customer of Bull & Branch. I love their sheets. I sleep very comfortably, very coolly underneath them. I don't like to get hot when I sleep. They're very, very breathable. They're very, very soft. And they get softer with every wash as well. Bull & Branch sheets, they're not just buttery, breathably, and possibly comfortable and softer with every wash. You don't even have to worry about the thread count there because they use the best threads possible. And you can tell by the quality of the sheets. I highly recommend you get some. 
My wife and I, you know, she heard the ads on other shows. She doesn't listen to my podcast, and she wanted them, and then we got some, and we've fallen in love with them. We've got them on a lot of the beds in our house. They use the highest quality threads on earth for superior softness and a better night's sleep. They're so luxurious. They're beloved by three American presidents, and they got over 10,000 reviews all of which are fantastic reviews. And right now you can get 15% off your first set of sheets when you use the promo code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, at bowlandbranch.com. That's bowlandbranch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D branch.com. The promo code is ERIC, E-R-I-C-K. Welcome back. I'm going to jump over to the phones. I want to take Tom's phone call, waiting patiently there. Tom, how are you? Hey, Eric. I hope you had a great Father's Day. I did. Hope you did. Yeah, it's awesome. It's the best title in the world, being a dad. Hey, your last guest was awesome. Uh, funny, my daughter goes to Tennessee. I'm going to that game also, Columbus uh, Day weekend in Baton Rouge. Just got to remember to bring my uh, mustard bottle and golf balls to throw on the field when uh, Tennessee gets a bad call against them. But uh, anyway, sorry about the bad joke there. Anyway, real quick, I know you're up against the break coming up. Uh, Schumer and Joe Manchin, they're working on a deal. I heard uh, – $1.6 trillion in new taxes, $900 billion new spending um, on renewables and a couple other social items. My question is, do you think this deal is going to be popular with the American people? And could this potentially improve the poll numbers for the Democrats? Uh, you know, I actually don't know that they can get it done. Uh, they may be able to get it done, but I don't think it's going to have an impact. And here's why. Uh, for the last, I want to say, eight midterms in a row, uh, wherever the president's popularity was by June 1st, that's pretty much what the national vote was in November, no matter what they did after June 1st. Uh, people are baking in their disdain of the Democratic Party right now, and there just isn't a way to really change the dynamic. Now, why that is is important for you all to understand. When is the election? The election is November, the first Tuesday following the first Monday in November. What do you have between now and then? Well, you got your kids are out of school right now. And then you got July 4th holiday. Then you're going to start getting your kids back in school. Then you got Labor Day weekend. Then you got about a month of getting your kids into a school routine. Then you're going to have Halloween. You're going to have the start of college football. You're going to have the start of the NFL. Uh, you've got so many personal, family, scholastic, academic, and business things between the end of the school year at Memorial Day and the beginning of the school year around Labor Day and all the other stuff. You've only got about a month in there to change the dynamics. Now, ask yourself, is the economy going to rebound between Labor Day and Election Day? Let's say you say yes. How likely is it for everyone, including you, to feel it? The odds are not very good. So in other words, by the time your kids get out of school at the end of May, you got the summer vacation, you got the planning periods, you got getting the kids back in school, you got Labor Day vacation, you got all of that. People are kind of checked out on politics right now. Their last moment in politics was towards the end of the school year and things sucked. Uh, and so they're not going to really have a chance before the election to think that it gets better. And also, because of the way the money on a mansion deal is going to be spread out, they're not going to feel the effects of it. It's got to be spread out over a decade. So even if they were to dump a huge amount of money, which they won't because mansion won't let them, the money's going to trickle out over the next decade, not just over the next year, 
which means people aren't going to feel the effects of it. So, yay, Democrats get something done. Nobody feels it, so they have hell to pay. Um, that's the reality of the academic or the, the political calendar for the Democrats. Uh, the votes at this point are starting to be baked in. So what you're going to see instead are the rats fleeing the ship. There are a lot of options out there. If you're a self-starter and you want to invest on your own, it can be really confusing. And I'm delighted to tell you about SoFi because that's who I use. And now I've got them as an advertiser. If you're a SoFi user, uh, my gosh, you get all sorts of options, great research. You get the ability to invest in stocks, EFTs, crypto, plan out your retirement. Uh, more importantly, you got people you can call on. I mean, for example, um, I can use SoFi to buy stocks and EFTs and do the deep dive research if I need to and get complimentary financial planners ready to help answer questions. Uh, you can too, whether you're stuck on where to start or need help deciding what to do next. You can even save for retirement with traditional Roth and SEP IRAs. They have so many options. If you're into crypto, you can also explore crypto. They've got 30 available coins, Bitcoin, Ethereum, Cardano, Solana, Dogecoin, and so much more. But more importantly, they've got the number one ranked automated investment tool, their robo-advisor. It takes the stress out of building and managing a diversified portfolio without having to pay a bunch of experts to do it. I really like SoFi. Y'all, I've tried, you name it, and I probably tried it, and I settled on SoFi and think you will like it as well. Cut through the jargon, make investing easier with SoFi. Visit SoFi.com slash Eric to learn how you can win up to $1,000 in stock when you open an account. That's SOFI.com slash Eric. Brokerage and active investing products offered through SoFi Securities LLC. Member FINRA SIPC. Hi there, it is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. The Supreme Court will at some point in the next uh, week or two, most likely in the next week, give us, uh, well, no, I guess look at the county. They got another week to tell us what they're going to do on Roe v. Wade. The case is Dobbs versus Jackson's women's health. And Mississippi passed a law that restricted abortion after 15 weeks. And the, they were immediately enjoined. Mississippi went to the Supreme Court and said, not only do we think that 15 weeks is good, but Roe v. Wade itself should be overturned, as should Casey versus Planned Parenthood. Now, I, I got to explain the breakdown on this to you, at least to make you smarter than your neighbors. Um, in Roe v. Wade, they established the trimesters. They essentially, if you know the history, and, and there have been a lot of books written by Roe v. Wade, including by some people who were pro-abortion, but they concede that essentially uh, the case was manufactured and a lot of the evidence presented by the court was spun uh, and framed in a way that wasn't necessarily truthful in order to persuade the all-male Supreme Court to give a right to an abortion in the Constitution, and that some of the sociological and medical research presented has been thoroughly debunked ever since. But one of the things the Supreme Court did was they framed it as uh, three trimesters, nine months of pregnancy divided into three trimesters of three months, 
And essentially, the Supreme Court ruled that in the first trimester, the first three months of pregnancy, you can't restrict abortion. In the second three months, you can restrict abortion. And in the third three months, you can ban abortion uh, with certain limits. The problem is that uh, the trimesters were very nebulous, uh, very hard to determine. It takes weeks to figure out whether or not you are actually even pregnant. And that ultimately led to Casey versus Planned Parenthood. And in Casey versus Planned Parenthood, that was going to be the case where Roe v. Wade was going to be overturned. But Sandra Day O'Connor and Anthony Kennedy largely tried to sidestep the issue and tried to be, quote unquote, reasonable. And what they did was use, instead of trimesters, a point of viability, a moment of viability, that there comes a moment where the fetus can survive outside the womb as a baby. And at that point, you can begin You can begin to restrict abortion. Up until the moment of viability, you cannot. The problem is uh, it varies and it can advance. As an aside, I will tell you something I am convinced of. I have no proof, but I am convinced of it. I am convinced that medical research has been forestalled over the years on neonatal science and neonatal care, because if the point of viability were ever moved closer to the moment of conception, it would radically curtail uh, the abortion industry and allow states to restrict abortions further. Therefore, the abortion industry has been putting pressure in the med- on the medical industry to abandon uh, the advance of neonatal science. I am convinced of it. Because uh, after Casey, all of abortion law is premised on viability, not on trimesters. And we have seen over time the science develop that allows a child to exist outside the womb earlier and earlier. If they got it too soon, the abortion industry could collapse without ever repealing uh, Casey and Planned Parenthood. Well, now there's a real threat of repealing Casey versus Planned Parenthood and Roe v. Wade. And the left is apoplectic. Interestingly enough, this comes at a time where left-wing activist groups are really, really deeply divided. They are really, really deeply divided because of the wokes. The wokes have gotten involved in uh, these left-wing groups, and now internally they burn each other to the ground. And so at a time where there should be some consensus on the left, there is none because the organizations are tearing each other apart. The Guttmacher Institute, the big research think tank of the pro-abortion movement, has been turned upside down by internal wokeness and, and the young wokes battling the old people who are liberal but not woke. Much of the media is out begging John Roberts to try to pick off a conservative to form a compromise. I think that would actually be very bad. I think it would be bad because we have the Alito decision. And after the Alito decision, we have a bunch of protests. 
I think if John Roberts were to structure a compromise after the leak of the Alito opinion on Dobbs, uh, it would encourage more protests in the future and more leaks in the future of the Supreme Court. It would show that that level of terroristic pressure on the Supreme Court can persuade the Supreme Court. And so I think the credibility of the Supreme Court would be more hard hit and uh, the terroristic threats against the Supreme Court would be more intense if John Roberts were somehow able to cut a deal to go with the 15 weeks in the Dobbs case without getting rid of Roe and, and Casey altogether. It would be a very bad day for the Supreme Court in terms of credibility. Now, I will tell you the left is trying to advance a public argument to John Roberts to say preserve the court's credibility and save Roe. Uh, I actually think it would be the exact opposite. But what's telling is that they think they can. They can make a media spectacle in order to try to persuade John Roberts and maybe Brett Kavanaugh or Amy Coney Barrett, some of the others, to stand with him. I think if they do that, now that we know what the Alito draft was, and by the way, the most recent leaks from the court or that that is still the opinion, if suddenly a wild card opinion comes out that preserves Roe v. Wade, I think the court's credibility is just blown up. It shows pressure campaigns work. It shows terroristic threats work. It shows bullying works. If they were to do this, it would be bad overall for the court. And John Roberts, who I have a lot of sympathy for given his position, he's an institutionalist who wants to protect the court's influence and protect the court from seemingly being political. I think Roberts' credibility blows up if he tries to save Roe v. Wade. But what we are seeing is a level of antagonistic hostility. We are seeing a fury from the left, and we are seeing a campaign being run by the left to try to make women who seek abortion as sympathetic as possible. There's a story in the Washington Post about a girl who found out she was pregnant with twins two days before the Texas abortion law went into effect. Two days after the Texas abortion law went into effect, this young woman found out she was pregnant and wanted an abortion and claims that because of the Texas law, she couldn't get an abortion. Now, there was an abortion clinic in Texas. And they were still performing abortions after the law. You wouldn't know that from the Washington Post piece, nor would you know that this girl could have gotten on a plane and gone to many other states and gotten an abortion. What they wanted to show is that because she couldn't get an abortion, that uh, she leads the, now this tragic life where her dreams are left behind. You know, there's this one thing she could have done to not get pregnant. This one thing she could have done. And that ultimately is the issue here. This story seems to be a story of res about responsibility to me, not a story about uh, pregnancy. And yet it's framed that way. At the same time, Herschel Walker is running for the United States Senate. Here's the headline. This is the headline in Politico. Herschel Walker, as you know now, apparently has two or three. I've lost count now. He's got a, a number of children no one knew about. Well, Herschel Walker knew. The, the baby's mamas knew, but they were not made public. Here's the headline. Social conservative crowd cheers Herschel Walker after revelations of undiscussed kids. You should cheer Herschel Walker. In an age where abortion on demand is celebrated and elevated in popular culture, Herschel Walker 
And these babies' mothers did not choose to kill the children, but to save the children. And he supported the children. And he's uh, talked to other men and told other men, you shouldn't abandon your kids. you got to have a relationship with your kid. Dads matter. He did the right thing. He's done absolutely the right thing. And yet the media has tried to vilify him on this issue and try to claim that he's a hypocrite. You know, this is part of the problem we have is that the press is so into the hypocrisy narrative. When actually, here's a guy who who did have children to women he was not married to. And he's been telling other men, uh, don't do what I did. Isn't that what we want people to learn from other people's mistakes, from him to to speak up and say, listen, I, I, I've got these children. Don't abandon your children. Be a father to your kids. And he, from what we know, though he was not public about those children, invested in those kids' lives. But also did not pay for abortions. Social conservatives should be cheering that. We should not be condemning that. Uh, the fact of the matter is all the people say, oh my gosh, more revelation. Yes, we would have liked to have known Herschel Walker had a number of children out of wedlock, it, 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 but okay, we know it now. God bless him for not pushing the women to have an abortion. Like uh, Jeffrey Tubin at CNN, their legal analyst, who got a colleague's daughter pregnant, refused to pay child support, said he would only cover the cost of an abortion. She finally had to fight him and he paid child support. Uh, better a Herschel Walker than a Jeffrey Tubin. Why are we condemning this man? What I what I, I just I think is going to happen is there's going to be a level of hysteria out there uh, on this issue. And the fact of the matter is that if the Supreme Court comes out with a Dobbs versus uh, Jackson women's health decision tomorrow and says this issue goes back to the states, you know what? It goes back to the states. In New York, in California, in Illinois, in, in Connecticut, in a bunch of states, they have now passed either constitutional amendments or laws saying abortion on demand until the child is born. It's not going to affect people. This is something I think the media doesn't understand. And it's very much like the, the January 6th stuff. Voters aren't really going to care about it. Very few people know women who have tried to have an abortion. Very few have. Statistically, there are 700 to 800,000 abortions a year in this country. There are 150 million people. You are very unlikely to know someone who tried to terminate a pregnancy or who did terminate a pregnancy. You're very unlikely to know someone. And as a result of this, you're not going to be super impacted by the story. And as a result of this, it's not a story that's going to phase you. Now, Democrats can scream all they want, but I'm just telling you the truth. This is a big story for progressives. And so it's a big story for the media because they are progressive. But for the bulk of Americans everywhere, this is not going to be that big of a deal. It's not going to impact people. And in fact, the women who want abortions are still going to be able to get them in a number of states around this country. They'll be protected. And some states like California are offering to advance airfare to fly women there to do it. This is very much to me, again, like the January 6th stuff. Listen to this clip from Frank Lutz. Donald Trump is still the most popular person within the Republican Party. When he endorses, it matters. It's worth a 5 or 10% bounce. He's no longer the controller. He's no longer the emperor. He doesn't have that much control, but more than any other Republican alive. 
And that's why these opinions aren't changing, and that's why these hearings aren't having the impact the Democrats thought they would. The hearings, that is, the January 6th hearings, they're not having the impact the Democrats thought they would. And it's not just because of Trump. It's a lot of other factors as well. Most people are not as inflamed in their sensibilities over this in the same way abortion. It is in the media bubble, in the Democratic bubble, a massive issue, something you're forced to care about. You will be made to care about it, except you're not. Because you're caring about gas prices, you're caring about inflation, you're caring about still empty store shelves, you're caring about high grocery prices, you're caring about crime, you're caring about the collapse of the stock market. You care about all these other things and they can't squeeze these other issues in. The only people who care desperately about January 6th and abortion are the people who already are going to vote for Joe Biden, the Democrats. Nobody else. And that's the problem for the Democrats. They fail to persuade anyone else that their issues matter because they've so neglected the issues that do matter. One of the effects of them not caring about issues that matter, like your retirement savings, are others are having to step up the plate and help you. And one of those stepping up to help you is Gold Co. With 40-year high inflation, interest rate hikes, gas prices, if you've got $50,000 or more in your IRA, your 401k, or other savings, you might want to talk to Gold Co. to see how you can protect and grow your money with physical gold and silver. You can call them at 855-904-5933. They'll give you a free wealth protection kit to learn how to use gold and silver to protect and grow your money. Thousands of retirees are protecting their retirement savings. Many are getting $10,000 or more in free silver for doing it. So call my friends at Gold Co. Find out how you can qualify for their special offer. They've helped thousands of Americans with their retirement savings. They've helped thousands of Americans uh, take care of their retirement savings to protect against wild swings in the stock market. They might be a good fit for you. Instead of me giving you the toll-free number again, just text my name, Eric, E-R-I-C-K. Text it to 33777. Reach out to Gold Co. I've never recommended a precious metal company before, but we haven't been in Jimmy Carter's economy until now. And we are there. And that's when precious metals helped a lot of Americans, which means now they probably will as well. If nothing else, reach out to Gold Co. and get their free wealth protection kit. Text Eric, E-R-I-C-K, to 33777. I will text you back right now their toll-free number. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. I find this story somewhat funny. It's causing a meltdown. Where is the scowling Swedish kid? Germany will restart coal-fired power plants in order to conserve natural gas, the country's economic minister announced on Sunday amid concerns about a looming supply shortage after Russia cut gas deliveries to Europe this week. The move was part of a series of measures, including new incentives for companies to burn less natural gas, announced by Germany as Europe takes steps to deal with reduced energy supplies from Russia. Since European countries imposed sanctions to punish Moscow following Russia's invasion of Ukraine in February, Russia has responded by cutting off gas supplies to several European countries. Last week, the Russian energy giant Gazprom also reduced flows through the Nord Stream 2 pipeline, an important undersea link that carries gas directly to Germany. Gazprom blamed maintenance issues for the reduction, but European leaders say the move is political. This is hilarious. Hilarious. They are going to start up coal-fired plants in Germany. Uh, Companies, according to uh, Germany's uh, industry lobby, the Federation of German Industry, said they're already making the switch because... They need to use natural gas for other things. 
The left is beside themselves in rage that they're going back to coal, but they got no choice. They don't have a choice. What's so interesting here is that the president of the United States is having to go to Saudi Arabia and beg them to produce more oil. And yet, uh, again, the the economic advisor who says that uh, we're not really going to beg for oil, um, well, they're going to beg for oil. The economic advisor says we're we're not really – inflation is still transitory. We're not going to have a recession. He also says we're not going to beg for oil. We're going to beg – Saudi Arabia for oil, and Joe Biden is mad at himself because he's got to deal with the Saudi crown prince. He doesn't like him. He doesn't think the Saudi crown prince is a good dude, but he's going to be the leader of Saudi Arabia for probably the next three or four decades. So you might as well get used to having to deal with him. And maybe they will produce more oil. Maybe, possibly, if we beg them enough. They'll produce more oil. Somebody's got to do something here because Joe Biden has deeply incentivized American oil and gas companies to do absolutely nothing. And, you know, there's now a conspiracy theory within the members of the White House that the oil and gas companies are intentionally trying to sabotage his administration. No, idiots. Learn economics. They can't drill and get their money back, so they're not going to drill. That's on you, not them.